The following is a sponsored program on WBT. Name any category, historical figure, sports figure, world figure. Then name the four most influential people. The Mount Rushmore, if you will. The Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, Lincoln of that category. The current Fly Fisherman magazine has the feature article, Our Mount Rushmore, written by fishing guide, fly designer, and the author of the 2020 release, Fly Fishing for Freshwater Striped Bass, Henry Cohen. Henry, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Uh, it's good to be back in Carolina. Even though I'm, I'm sitting in Georgia, I always feel good when I'm, when I'm in the state of North Carolina. It's one of my favorite places, guys. Well, we are glad you have crossed that boundary over there, that Georgia state line into the Carolinas and joined Wes Lawson right there, Bill Barty right here, the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's. We are excited to talk about you mainly because you kind of upset the apple cart a little bit. You put forth a question uh, in the article in the most recent Fly Fisherman magazine, um, Our Mount Rushmore. And we wanted to ask you a little bit about how the topic of the four most influential fly fisher people out there, how that topic for the article came about. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge sports nut. You know, I'm a New York City kid, and so I watch sports talk radio when I'm not on the lake or on the river guiding. Um, I don't miss a, a good ESPN morning of get-up and listen to all the commentators on there, and they're always talking about, you know, who's the Mount Rushmore in the NBA or who's the, quote-unquote, the GOAT of uh, pro football and stuff like that. And that just got me thinking – um, you know, this would just be such a fun conversation to put in our sport and just mention who are the top four in my, and, and it's, there's no right or wrong here, guys. It's all subjective, but in anyone's opinion, who are your top four most influential anglers in fly fishing guys that kind of move the needle, um, to where we are today in the world of fly fishing. And so that's kind of, um, and, and by the way, knowing we were going to, I was going to, knowing I was going to get a lot of criticism of people saying, "Oh, you missed this one, or you missed that one. How could you leave this person off?" So I, I don't want anybody to think that just because my four guys that I put up there are the right four guys, even though they are. Um, <laughs> but everybody's got their own opinion, and uh, you know, some of the younger guys will obviously pick uh, some of the more more later let's call it needle movers in our sport. And some of the older guys who've lived through it all, well, they may have a slightly different opinion um, from that, from their standpoint, having lived over the last 50 years with people that uh, really moved the needle forward to where we are today in the sport of fly fishing. Well, we're not going to let you off that easy with that. And it not only did it create conversation for people to think of their Mount Rushmore, but it also created the opportunity for education in within the history of the sport of fly fishing. And spoiler alert, um, your four were Joe Brooks, Lee Wolf, Lefty Cray, and Dave Whitlock. Uh through talking about those four people, we began to learn about other people in the sport of fly fishing. And in a recent interview here on the Carolina Outdoors, 
uh, Wes and I were speaking with someone who had been to the Joan Wolf Fly Fishing School. So a lot of people don't know who Joan Wolf is, or they may not know who Joe Brooks was, Lee Wolf was, Lefty Cray, or who Dave Whitlock is. Before we talk about them, tell us how did you decide who was the most important for you? Well, you know, that was an easy one for me. You know, um, Lefty Cray, who's on the cover of the of this issue for subscribers, uh, fly fishermen loved the, 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 the idea so much they did a special cover that wasn't available in newsstands. That was for subscribers only where they put a picture of Lefty sitting in his chair and just labeled it the goat. And, and quite frankly, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree anymore. Um, Lefty is by far and away the greatest fly angler that's ever lived. And, you know, when, when Paul Puckett, Paul Puckett is the artist who drew the Mount Rushmore uh, pencil sketch for this piece. And when I came up with that idea, I knew Paul would be the perfect artist to, to do that. And once he was uh, signed up, by fly, you know, by Ross Purnell at Fly Fisherman to do that. You know, um, uh, Paul called me and said, "Is there any particular order that you want anybody, you know, pictured in?" And I said, "The only thing that's important to me, Paul, is that Lefty is the greatest, and he needs to take Lincoln's spot on Mount Rushmore." And Lincoln, as you know, it started with Washington, then Jefferson, then Lincoln, and then Roosevelt. So I made sure Lefty was the third face sitting because I felt he deserved the honor of being, quote-unquote, our Abraham Lincoln. So what is it about, for our, you know, some of our listeners aren't as familiar with Lefty Cray and his incredible pedigree. I mean, he really, as far as fly fishing went, did just about all of it. But what was it about Lefty that, that put him there as opposed to anyone else? Or even just among those four that puts him right there in Lincoln's spot? Yeah, you know that's really that's an easy question. Even though you, you wonder and go, "Wow, that's a that's a that's some big answers you need there for that to qualify it." Lefty just lived during an age where communication and 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 you know getting the word out to everybody became much easier than say guys like Lee Wolf or or um, uh, Joe Brooks and those guys did. There was no internet, you know. There was. Um, there was no, no Facebook and, you know, social media for that matter. Everything back then was basically magazines, uh, you know, some radio, uh, you know, fly fishing shows on TV were in its infancy. And so, uh, Lefty was just kind of lived through both sides of that. He kind of walked through the door at the right time. He was also incredibly talented, uh, incredibly engaging. Uh, I will tell you, he was one of my dear friends. He was like a father to me. And I'll talk to you more about that later when we talk about the book briefly, because he had everything to do with that book that just came out that I wrote. So Lefty was just uh, undeniably, to the young anglers, uh, was easily the greatest player in our sport um, and, and uh, then and now. Henry, I made some notes, too, because uh, Lefty kind of made fly fishing for everyone, just as you said, because of when he came through. But he was mentored himself um, before he became, uh, you know, when he was Lefty younger. Um, and it was by another person, in fact, who made it first on your Mount Rushmore, Joe Brooks, who kind of, uh, rock starred the sport back in the 50s and 60s, uh, mainly because he went on to television. 
Will you tell us about Joe quickly? Yeah, so Joe is Joe is known by most people in in the industry as the father of modern day fly fishing. Um, so let, let let me let me qualify this for our listeners that that watch some recent more recent TV. Uh, for most of our younger listeners, uh, most people would say that Flip Pallet deserves recognition as one of those guys who sits on Mount Rushmore. Well, why? Because Flip had the Walker's K Chronicles TV show on ESPN for years that we, you know, on, you know, that that was the only show that you hoped it rained on Saturday morning and you couldn't (laughs) go fishing so that you could stay home and watch what Flip was doing on television that day. Well, let's go back 40 years earlier than that, 30 years earlier than that. And it was really Joe Brooks who took us on, you know, on um, uh, America Wide World of Sports and the American Sportsman TV show that was back in the 60s and 70s. And he was taking us places all over the world. Like, he was the first guy to kind of popularize fishing, fly fishing the Patagonia, you know, in Argentina for, for just monster trout um, and, and places like that. He also uh, was probably the one who popularized bone fishing and tarpon fishing and things like that down in the Keys. So, you know, he was the trailblazer, and and he's the guy that got Lefty hooked. I'll never forget Lefty told me the story of how he met Joe Brooks um, in Maryland, and and Joe took him smallmouth fishing, and Lefty was using a spinning rod, and Joe was using a fly rod, and Joe just caught the snot out of the fish, and it just, a light bulb went off in Lefty's head, and that's kind of what pushed the needle forward for Lefty, so how do you leave a guy like that off who's, you know, kind of trailblazed the way for everybody else who's behind him, you know? Well, and speaking of trailblaze, if he's the Elvis, the rock star Joe Brooks is, he uh, kicked off uh, another man who was a frequent guest of Kurt Gowdy on the American Sportsman who also is up on the Mount Rushmore of fly fishing, according to Henry Cohen, that's Lee Wolf, kind of leader in fly tying, conservation, and education. That's right. Lee, Lee, Lee penned, penned the, um, the phrase that a game fish is, is too valuable to be only caught once. And that, even though he probably said that back in the 60s or early 70s, somewhere in that time frame, um, it may have been earlier than that, it may have been late 50s, that is, that is a mantra that we all carry forward today, whether we're fishing for tarpon or we're fishing for, you know, wild rainbows up in a mountain stream in North Carolina. Um, it doesn't matter how small it is. It's true. And so, you know, Lee kind of crossed the barrier of not only being an unbelievable trout ambassador and a salmon ambassador, um, but he was also, you know, what I would consider you know, the, the most important conservationist to our sport um, at a time when our sport started to become more household and less, quote-unquote, elite, if you will. Well, it's hard to imagine now for many of our listeners that there was a time when fishing, but especially fly fishing, when it was almost entirely catch and keep. And now it's become much more, uh, it's so uncommon now for that to be the case, and we are more conservation-minded. But, Henry, I wanted to ask you, so you've got these four really impressive 
men up there, and I'm sure your inbox got flooded with all kinds of thoughts and suggestions and and things. But what about Joan Wolf? She's an impressive lady, and she can sure cast a fly rod. And she's been teaching people for years and years. How come she didn't make the cut? Well, you know, it's funny. I actually considered guys. Lee, you know, Joan Wolf was married to Lee Wolf, who sits number two on that on Mount Rushmore, and that was his that was his spouse. And I actually considered pairing them together mm. um, for the four on Mount Rushmore and making the Wolf family to have that honor because Joan is clearly for me. If there was room for number five, Joan Wolf would have been number five, and and it would have been important for many reasons. Not that there aren't. A lot of well-deserving uh, anglers that could be up there. You know, Joan broke the barrier for for women to get into fly fishing, and you can't put a price on that, especially in these times. But think about that she was doing this 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And, and, and you know, talk about, talk about somebody with a vision. Uh, it's incredible what, you know, her accomplishments. And so... Um, no, she didn't make the final cut just because um, it was really easy for me for one, two, and three as, you know, putting up Brooks and then Lee Wolf and then obviously Lefty. You know, number four was the tough one, and that was where, and I didn't have to think about it too long, but clearly Joan Wolf um, is every bit as important to this sport, maybe not quite as important as Dave Whitlock, but but pretty darn close well and and dave whitlock is the lone surviving member of your mount rushmore he is still alive in oklahoma artist fly designer uh a leader in warm water fly fishing uh amongst really all realms of fly fishing how's dave whitlock doing and how did he make it in there well you know again Probably a little bit of nepotism. Dave is one of my very close and personal friends from many, many years. But, you know, if I were to tell you in the world of freshwater fly fishing, in the last 10 years, what are the two hottest fisheries that have just taken over the United States if you have those fish in and around your local area? One would be you know, probably musky, and the other, which is certainly more common around the United States, is carp. And Dave was fishing carp back when other people were looking at it going, you got to be kidding me, you're going to fish for a trash (laughs) fish on a fly rod? Dave Whitlock made it cool to fish for fish that we never really gave a lot of thought to that was in freshwater environments um, where maybe there wasn't a trout stream or, or, or maybe you live too far from the coastal fisheries of the saltwater angler. And Dave made fly fishing cool around the country for everybody who's kind of landlocked. On top of being an incredible artist, um, uh, one of the most, um, certainly one of the most creative fly tires, uh, you know, that we've seen, especially in freshwater. His, uh, you know, his sheep shed series and. His Dave's hopper. His hopper is still one of the most popular flies used around around the country for catching trout during hopper season. So this, this guy, this guy led some life. I mean, this guy was when it comes to fly fishing, this guy was all in. 
And, uh, you know, so it was kind of an easy one uh, to pick Dave as, as number four, even over Joan, who I have an incredible amount of respect for. Well, we want to jump into that, too. Everyone out there, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Carolina Outdoors. Wes Lawson right there, Bill Barty right here. Our guest, Henry Cohen, has written the lead article in the current edition of Fly Fisherman magazine on the front, The Goat. Lefty Cray is there. We're talking to him about the Mount Rushmore of fly fishing, who's on there. And, Henry, these days, of course, with social media, you get everyone's opinion. What has been the blowback? And will you give us the names? We mentioned Joan Wolf, but who else? These four were all born before 1940. Flip Pallet was mentioned, too. Who else? Billy Pate, Joe Humphreys? Who who missed the list or missed the Mount Rushmore? Well, we don't have a long enough show to tell you who missed <laughs> it. You know, Flip, if, if you go... If you go to the Instagram, if you go to Fly Fisherman Magazine's Instagram page and you look for the uh, Mount Rushmore um, artwork that Paul Puckett did, you'll be able to see we they probably had close to 70 responses of people saying, oh, well, how could you leave out Gary LaFontaine or how could you leave out, you know, Mel Krieger or or Tom Rosenbauer from Orvis? Or, or um, uh, Joe Humphreys was certainly one I heard over, over and over again from a lot of people. And, you know, it's funny, again, not to be disrespectful to anybody's opinion because all opinions are welcome. But a lot of the younger folks might pick someone like Joe Humphreys, who absolutely positively is an iconic figure in our sport today. And Joe is probably 80 years old and uh, for those who don't know what Joe does, Joe Joe taught fly fishing over at State College at uh, you know at Penn State University for a number of years, as well as fished all those spring creeks down there, and was just an unbelievable angler um, in his own right, and certainly is worth mentioning. But you know the funny thing is for the young guys, how could you pick? And, and this again is my opinion: how could you pick Joe Humphreys over George Harvey? And if you've never heard of George Harvey, George Harvey was the guy, Joe Humphreys wouldn't have had a job if it wasn't for George, George Harvey. George Harvey started the, the fishing class. The, the, that was a, a two- or a three-credit class at Penn State University, and he actually started that whole program. So guys like you know Joe Humphreys and today George Daniel has taken that over. And, and you know from a young guy's standpoint – George Daniel is easily one of the top three most um, popular young fly anglers under 50 years old today, who himself might be one day up on a Mount Rushmore, or even a guy like Blaine Chocolate or Landon Mayer. So, you know, we, we kind of we encircled everybody and included everybody in this piece um, to decide, you know, to say who are the up and coming young folks that could be, uh, you know, on that on that list, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of young gals out there that, that are just all in right now, and they themselves might deserve it. But, you know, we're looking at today, we're looking at guys that were the, quote-unquote, the guys that moved the needle. Those are the guys that allowed where we are today to happen. And that's why it was kind of easy for me. I'll tell you, as a, as a saltwater guy, you know, I have a, a huge uh, affinity for, for Bob Popovics, who's, in my opinion— probably the greatest saltwater fly tire that ever lived. How do you not put him on there? 
Uh, you know, it, so, it goes forever, really. And we encourage our, our listeners to go check out the article and throw in your opinion. Who is your Mount Rushmore uh, on that of fly fishing? Henry, congratulations on the book that came out last year, Fly Fishing for Freshwater Striped Bass. You're a specialist in landlocked stripers and, and Lake Lanier and, and all the spotted bass that are in there as well. How's the fishing been over there across the Georgia line? You know, we're in our uh, we're coming to the end of our season right now. As the water temps on our lakes are going to start pushing close to 80 degrees, and our stripers are going to go deep. But right now, because it's been a cooler spring this year, this will be the next 10 days. We're coming on our full moon period next uh, Wednesday is the full moon, and so we're getting on what we call a moon phase. And the next 10 days should be our last hurrah. We're taking our uh, last licks, if you will until they fire up again in September. So this is really good time to get out on the lake and catch a few, you know, line sides um, on, on top water on either game changers or, or fishing pole dancers or gurglers or anything top water, a crease fly. Um, this is a great opportunity to do that. So we're, we're getting our last licks in and then um, I'm already starting my carp trips, believe it or not. I've ah. got my first carp-guided trip coming up this Saturday. we got to get you on here to talk more about that, too. The website, henrycohenflyfishing.com. It's C-O-W-E-N, henrycohenflyfishing.com. Henry, thanks for joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors.